0: This is January 4th, and this is The Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and it's just us. There's no guests today. No Connor, no Ty, no Dale, no Marina, no Logan. It's just us. Me and you, the listener, just hanging out, chatting. That's today's episode. Just us. So I like doing this here and there. I like to have these solo episodes uh, mainly so I can kinda get your questions and answer them and see what you're thinking about and what's on your mind. And I know that, you know, they always say in school that if one person has a question, many have a question. So I think a lot of these questions, a lot of you are wondering the same. And I got a lot of questions, which I was very happy about, uh, in this episode. So, we will dive right in, and and it's good that we have two games to go off of as well. It's good that we've seen a little sample size here. I know people are going to say, oh, it's only the Sabres. Oh, it's only the Red Wings. Well, the guys who were scoring against the Sabres and the Red Wings weren't even scoring before, so it's a good sign that guys like Nick Felino and Eric Halla and Thomas Nosek and Trent Frederick are scoring goals at the moment. So uh encouraging weekend, that is for sure, and we'll dive right into these questions because, as I said, I know a lot of you are probably... Feeling the same way. So we'll start, uh, with an interesting, uh, proposition. Whiskey Dad of Twins. What an awesome name. Whiskey Dad of Twins asked us on Twitter as well as, uh, I'm getting there. Alex Hernley. They both, they both have similar questions, so I'll kind of group them together. Uh, Whiskey Dad of Twins said, with Seneshen also requesting a trade, would dealing him with Debrusque increase chances of a better trade as DeBrusque is underperforming, increase the attractability at all. I'll even read Alex's question. He said, what type of caliber of defenseman do you think uh, the Bruins could get with Senechin and DeBrusque together? Love your work. Thank you, Alex. Um, I don't know. That, I don't think Senechin uh, increases what you're getting for DeBrusque if you put him in the deal. Um, think about it like this. They're both somewhat struggling, underperforming wingers and Senechin has barely even touched the NHL level. So I don't know if Senishin gets you a lot. I don't think he gets you really much of anything. Mainly because I mean, you look at Senishin, and again, he struggled to stay at the NHL level. Teams know this. The whole idea of Debrusk and Senishin being former first round picks—that ship has kind of sailed, right? Like now, if you took if you were trading for two first round picks from like the 2020 draft, it's very different, right? They're still pro- the players are still probably prospects and high value. Not a lot of value with Zach Seneshen right now. And I think there's still a fair amount of value with Jake DeBrusque, but I just don't think Seneshen increases it that much. I just don't think it does. I don't, I don't, th- teams are not going to sign on for two struggling wingers, especially one who's not, uh, maintained play at the NHL level. So what do I think Seneshen gets you? I think a fair asking price for Seneshen would be like a fourth or fifth round pick. And I know people are going to say, Oh, but he's a fir- former first round pick. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, that is what it is. And that's all you, that's probably all you're going to get. I don't know. Uh, you're not going to get like a NHL player for Senishin unless a team really sees value in Senishin, which I don't think many do because he passed through waivers. Um, so I, Senishin is not someone I see increasing the value of a trade very much. Um, again, I, I again, I think a fourth or fifth round pick for Senishin is a good asking price. You know why? Because you get to pick again. Now, not in the first round. And do I trust the Bruins to make a good pick in, their, in the fourth round? No, I don't. <laughs> but it's still better than just having Senechin sit in Providence and not do anything. Or not not do anything. I mean, he's playing in Providence, but not helping at the NHL level. So yeah. And I don't blame Senechin for asking for a trade, by the way. I know a lot of people are like, oh, what a traitor. And it's like, well, at the same time, think about it in your own job, right? You're being buried on, you know, a team you don't want to be on or... You know, you're not doing projects you like to do. You want to go somewhere else. You want to go somewhere that's going to use you to your full potential. The Bruins are not that place. I don't blame them for going somewhere else. It's like the Tory Krug stuff. Tory Krug scored the Winter Classic, uh, on, I believe it was Saturday, whatever New Year's Day was. Saturday. The Days don't make any sense anymore. But, um, Tory Krug scored and I tweeted something like, oh, Tory Krug's a great guy deserves a championship. People were, you know, some people were replying, well, you know, he's on another team now. I don't want him to win a championship. And I understand that. I do. I get it. You love the Bruins. That's the team you want to win. But to me, I think Krug's a great dude. Always wish he would have won one here. Should have won one here. Should have won two here. Maybe even more. Um But I hope, I I like when guys go elsewhere and find some success, especially you know, good guys. And Tori Krug, as you all know, was a very good guy. Is a very good guy. So, to me, uh, I look at Krug as someone who I hope finds success. I know many of you will disagree. I don't love the idea of the Blues winning a Stanley Cup, especially with Jordan Binnington. I could go without Binnington winning another cup. You know, kind of a cocky kid. Annoying. Maybe not the greatest human in the world. Uh, but at the same time, I would like to see Krug succeed elsewhere. So I did like seeing him score on the Winter Classic. I did. As for the actual Winter Classic, no one asked about the Winter Classic or anything, but I'm still going to talk about it because I think it's a fun event. I I did I thought it was really cool this year. Um, baseball stadiums they've kind of done the good ones right. They've done Fenway, they've done Wrigley, so it's hard to do like another historic one. Uh, they did Dodger Stadium for the Stadium Series a few years ago. To me, uh, this one had the elements right. The freezing, freezing, freezing cold was like negative eight at puck drop. Guys had you know water frozen in their beards, could not have been comfortable to play in. My guess is those guys probably wouldn't want to play in those conditions again. Uh, but nonetheless, a cool event. Really cool event. And, I, and I, I, it's funny. I saw Pete Blackburn tweet something similar to this. I hope they do away with stadium series just because that kind of um, diminishes the value of an outdoor game, especially the winter classic. Because it's like, oh, we're just going to play outdoors in these places. But what I would love to see is kind of what the, what the NHL did with like Lake Tahoe, right, where you have this uh, huge event in a beautiful place. You know, money be damned. Who really care? You know, obviously I know they want to make money. I know they want, you know, full stadiums. I know they want people at the games, but man, Tahoe was perfect. Like Lake, the, the, the scenery and you know, the, just the backdrop and the whole Lake Tahoe experience was so cool to see. You almost didn't need fans. It's kind of like the field of dreams game in the MLB, right? Like I think there were only like a couple thousand fans in attendance for that. I don't think that was like that. You know, that didn't have like tens of thousands of people, but it was so freaking cool. So I hope they find a, a, a sort of a way to do that in, in coming years when COVID isn't such a big thing, you know, do some scenic places, maybe do the old, uh, maybe do, uh, you know, the, 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 the frog pond in Boston. How about that? Huh? No, I don't know what they would do. I think Boston has been, uh, they've been in four outdoor games now the Bruins have been cause it was tw- 10, uh, 16, 19 and last year. So the Bruins have had their outdoor games um, and they've exercised their places around here. Maybe I, I know Spokesy and many believe Hockey Town should have uh, a game. Maybe just take the whole roof off the place. Maybe if they ever decide to renovate Hockey Town, they'll just throw the roof off and say, we're playing NHL games here for a month, right? Every team gets to play at Hockey Town. No roof, freezing cold sagas, drinks at the Kowloon after. I think that sounds perfect. Anyways, those are my thoughts on the Winter Classic. I just hope they. I wonder who the next matchup will be. I I like to ask these questions. I'm I'm curious. Who do you think the next matchup is going to be? Just us two. You tell me. DM me. Tweet at me. Email me. Whatever. Because I don't know. I they've they've done a lot of the big market teams. I don't want to see Chicago like for the next 20 years in the Stanley in the in the Winter Classic or an outdoor game. So wouldn't hate uh you know see what a Florida matchup does or Carolina do something a little different outside the box. Maybe California. Like they did stadium series there in 2014, I believe. So do a winter classic there if you want. I don't know. Do it do what you want. I'll criticize it or to like it either way. Um at any rate, that is uh, Seneshen, uh and his trade value. Uh Boston Bruins Forever asked many questions, so I will try to answer them as best as I possibly can. Uh, I will start with his DeBrusque questions because that's kind of what we just talked about. Um, He says, I know there have been discussions or rumors about Edmonton wanting DeBrusque. DeBrusque for Yamamoto supposedly one rumor. I can see Edmonton wanting someone like Olmark, too, to solidify their horrible goalie situation. I know Oscar Kleffbaum is out for the year, and then he asked something similar. Uh, Can you see the Bruins doing a larger deal for the future, like DeBrusque, Olmark, and picks or prospects for, like, Yamamoto, Kleffbaum? I think this can benefit both sides tremendously. What are your thoughts? It's a cool idea on paper. Uh, The thing, the, the holdup with Olmark is that he has a no movement clause for the first two years of his deal. So like, is he really going to want to waive it to go to Edmonton a year? Like not even a year after signing with Boston? Probably not. No, he probably isn't. Um, And I do think there's value with Olmark. Like I, I'm not one of those people who wants to give up on Olmark just yet. I am interested to see what the, the term and the money is on Rask. If this is just a two-year thing, then whatever. But if they're you know, pinning Rask down for three years, which I don't imagine they would, but if that was like the plan and you have Swayman in there too, I don't know. Then Olmark, maybe you somehow try to do something with that, but, uh, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. And I don't think he'll be traded this year just because of the no movement clause. And I don't think Sweeney is going to much, just months after signing him to a pretty long deal be like, well, we're done. Yeah. We're trying to trade him. <laughs> we're trying to trade him. So. No, I don't think Olmark will be traded. Uh, the interesting one, though, is Debrusk for Yamamoto. I know this is something that's been floated around a bit. Struggling winger for struggling winger. I completely understand it. The last thing this team needs is another struggling winger. The last thing this team needs is a fringe top six player who has struggled mightily. Do you trust the Bruins to jumpstart a winger like Yamamoto or any winger who is having trouble scoring? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't. Uh And I get it, right? You get what you get for DeBrusque. You can try your best to get what you get. And we'll get to in a little bit what you could get for DeBrusque in a max scenario. But just trading him for another struggling winger, I don't know. There's a good amount of, there's some value to DeBrusque. I mean, I was just reading, you know, Bleacher Report did a, like, a ranking of the uh, the uh trade block for the deadline. And DeBrusque was number one. Now, again, that's one person's opinion. That's not like NHL GMs putting that together. But that's... There's something there, right? Like you, you could get something, um, for Jake Debrusque. Absolutely. But I, I just don't think that for another struggling winger like Yamamoto, who does not even have the stats that Debrusque did in his best years, uh, I can't sit here and say that I would want that. I wouldn't. I, I just, you know, I know people like to just get new players. Ooh, Yamamoto's new. And it's like, no, no, he's struggling too. Like the same issues Debrusque has, you're going to get with Yamamoto. So, um, I don't know. I just, there's not a lot of desire to do that. If they did that, I'd kind of go, well, okay. Another winger, you got to decide if you're going to put him on the third line, or maybe he'll slot in on the second line, like for a game. And, oh, maybe he'll get healthy scratched. It's just, they have too many of these guys. You get Nick Felino. You've got, you know, Eric Halla. And we'll get to those guys in a bit. And, you know, Nosek and now, you know, obviously Debrusque right now. And you got Carson Kuhlman and Oscar Steen. And you got all these guys who are fringe you know, line up and top six guys that it's like, well, why would you get another? (laughs) What is the, unless, unless, unless the Bruins hockey ops department can sit there and say, no, Kyler Yamamoto has a real spot in the top six of this team. Then I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's a great trade because you're getting worse. (laughs) That's not a, that's, it's less than lateral in my uh, estimation. Who knows? Yamamoto could become a 40 point guy, a 50 point guy. And I could sit here and, and eat crow. But I have a weird feeling that's not going to be the case. Um, I just, I don't, I, there's not a lot of upside with that. I don't, um, I don't see the huge upside in, uh, Debrusque for Yamamoto. Uh, and then it Clef Bomb, I think there's a better left shot defenseman who the Bruins could go after who I will get to, um, in a little bit. Pretty safe bet, uh, that this player would be a huge hit on the Bruins. But when we're talking about safe, good bets, our good friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march towards the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, and NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of the new amazing offers available. Again, promo code CLNS50 to receive that 50% cashback bonus. Betonline, where the game starts. Anyways. Uh, on to more questions. What else, what other questions do we got here? Um, okay, Boss of Bruins Forever, who had many questions, which I appreciate very much, asked, uh, Oscar Steen, I think, can play up and down that lineup, but he's not a true fourth liner. What line do you think he'd play, uh, his best on? I think with the Bruskin coil. I don't actually hate that. I think that's a pretty good idea. Oscar Steen is good. He's very, he's quick, speedy, gets in corners well, battles for pucks well, um, I think in a good, in a good scenario, yeah, the and Coil actually is not a terrible place to put him on that right side. Um, I don't see him sticking there though. I don't hate this, uh, for the moment, Debrus, Coil, Felino line. So like, I see Steen more on the fourth line. Uh, to me, I think the scenario with Steen is, I think he should be a regular on the fourth line. I think it should, I think in a perfect world, it's bleed, no sec, and Steen. I think that is your perfect fourth line. We will get to why that's not going to happen in a little bit, but. Um, and I think Steen's best move is just to keep playing well on the fourth line, and hopefully either solidify a spot there or move up the lineup. Like I think that's you know this is a very old analogy, but Brad Marchand did that. I know. Ooh, Evans says Oscar Steen and Brad Marchand are the same player. No, but I think you can work. You there's ways to work your way up from the fourth line. I think a guy like Oscar Steen can do that. Uh, he's got speed. He's got some skill. Um. I think once you solidify the D zone a little bit better, I think they're going to like him on that fourth line. I just, I think he's a good player. I agree with you. Um, and I would be interested to see with, uh, Coyle and Debrusque, what he could do, um, for a larger sample size. Tough to get a large sample size right now with injuries and COVID and those things, but, um, I do think Oscar Steen has a lot of value for this team. And I think he should be a regular in the lineup. I don't know why he hasn't been. But I think, uh, performance is like he had a great pass to Nosek, I believe, on Nosek's goal, uh, against Detroit. So I like Oscar Steen. I do. I've always thought he was good. He's a small, fast guy, fits well, gives this team some speed, which is something they are kind of lacking in. So I like Steen. I like Steen. Uh, Boston Bruins forever then asked, I think the best Bruins line is going to be Pasta Halla Hall. The confidence of the chemistry will come. I believe. There was another person who asked about this line and I would be correct. Benjamin Dollymount asked the games against Buffalo and Detroit show that Smith with Bergeron and Martian is working great. Does this up the need? Does this up the need for a legit second line center for pasta and hall? If so, who would work best with the two of them? So, so this is where things get interesting. Um, I love the moves they did recently where they switched Pasternak and uh, Craig Smith. I thought they should have done that a long time ago. I thought that should have honestly been the move entering the season. Now I initially said, coil in between um Taylor Hall and uh David Pasternak but Eric Hall works too he worked well in, in these two last two games quick gets it on pucks well like I think he's good digging for the puck good in the dirty areas fast I think could work really really well long term with Pasternak and Hall um I would rather see Coil there just because of the money he makes um and he's been producing well but if they feel he's better with the on the third line obviously we've said this a million times in this show he's he is a third line center on a really good team. So maybe that's what they're trying to do. Um, at any rate, at any rate, um, I think, I don't know if Pasta Hala Hall is going to be the best line. It's hard to beat Marshan and Bergeron with anybody. Um, but I do think you're going to see increase in production. You're already seeing it. Um, David Pasternak gets a lot of attention on the ice, uh, which opens up space for Taylor Hall. We saw that in those games when Marchand was suspended, where when Bergeron was in the middle with Pasternak and Hall, Hall had a lot more space because there was Bergeron to take care of and there was David Pasternak to take care of. You got to eliminate the one-timer. You got to get up on him. You can't let him shoot. Um, can't let him get to those good areas, those high danger areas, which leaves room for Taylor Hall. And you're seeing that, right? Like there was a play I tweeted uh, where Hall just kind of came in over the blue line. Four guys went to Pasternak, Pasternak passes it across, Hall, uh, Hall takes like a one-timer. It's like, just get closer to the net. And I think that's going to come with time. And he did it later in the game when he actually scored um, against Buffalo. So I do think the confidence is there or it will come. And I think the chemistry is there. I do. I think Pasternak and Hall can work together. And you're seeing that, right? Like you are seeing that the way they play, um, you know, and also people forget Taylor Hall is a very good passer. Really good pass. You had an awesome pass to McAvoy on McAvoy's goal, uh, in the Detroit game. And most of his points seasons where he has all these points, it's a lot of assists, <laughs> more, way more assists than goals. So to me, I look at that and, and say, well, that's going to work, uh, especially with Holla in the middle. As I said, I think he's a, he's a, you know, sort of a jitterbug. He's fast. He's, he's, uh, you know, he had a nice goal against Detroit, uh, on Sunday. So I don't know if that's going to be the best line. But I think it's a much better second line than you had before, which is what you want. <laughs> That's a good thing. So to me, uh that second line is good. Now, as for uh Poshnok and Hall being long-term together, I think should be the case. So then the question becomes, uh, are they going to need a legitimate second line center? The que- Step one of that question is, is Eric Hollow going to be a legitimate second line center? It kind of remains to be seen, right? Like, I... I- it's hard to sit here and say for sure that Eric Halla is, you know, without a doubt going to be the second line center of that line. He's had some good seasons. Eric Holla, people forget, uh, I believe it was in 2017-18 with the Vegas Golden Knights, had 55 points, 29 goals, 26 assists. That's a very good season. Like if you get 55 points out of the second line center, hell yes, you take that every day. Are you kidding me? Um, But he hasn't, other than that, his... You know, he's had a season with 34 points, 26, 24, 21 last season. So it's not like I, that 55 might be more of an outlier, unfortunately. Um, but still, I think there's potential there. There's potential to, for him to be very good with the way in which he plays. But it would be no fun for me to sit here and say, oh, they found it. They found the second line center. It's See, he's it here all along. Because I think it's more fun to sit here and say, well, who would be trade targets for Uh, That second line. And I think there's two. There's Tomas Hurdle and JT Miller out with the Vancouver Canucks. Both would take a fair amount in a deal. And I think that is where you kind of run into some problems is, well, what do you do? (laughs) How do you get those guys? Because they're going to be very highly sought after, especially a guy like JT Miller, leader. uh, And then Tomas Hurdle is very skilled. I think the best center between those two would be Hurdle. I think Hurdle would be fascinating between Pasternak and Hall. Like that's a first line on most teams. Um, but that 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 takes a lot. And same with JT Miller. So we'll get into kind of what they would, what you would get with them or what you'd have to give up to get them because it leads into some other questions because a lot of these questions kind of overlap. Because uh, Coach, Coach, C O O O O A A A C H exclamation point asked on Twitter, um, basically they're not going to be very good in a year or two meaning the Bruins, who can they dump, prospects that won't hurt the playoff run this year, and what pending UFOs, <laughs> UFOs, <laughs> I think they made UFAs, but UFOs, <laughs> those aliens over at Area 51, they can go pick them up, uh, but UFAs, can they get back? Uh, they aim for a high draft for the next couple of years. So I think that's, it, it's put a little easy. Uh, I think the real thing is what prospects can be dealt uh, that won't affect the future. And there's only one in my estimation that you're actually gonna get something for. And by something, I mean like anything. <laughs> that's Jack Studnika. And the reason is, and I, I don't understand why they keep burying Studnika and they're killing his value. Like that's, they're, they're ru- This is another example of an asset they're just ruining. Um, and it's Jack Studnika because I think if you paired Debrusque with Studnika with probably you'd have to do a first round pick, you could definitely be in the running for Tomas Shirtle, definitely be in the running for JT Miller. If you're willing to put those three things together, maybe another prospect added in. Uh, but if that's the crux of your deal, DeBrusk, Sidnika first round pick, I think you can get Hurdle. And again, I, I think, you know, later in this, in a little while, we're going to get into the main thing I want for that trade package. But if you want a true second line center and a center who can be someone for the future that you know is going to be a good center, Hurdle and JT Miller are those options. Like that's that's – you're going to get production there. That's a huge jump. Um, And that's someone you can have for the future, right? Like I think with Hurdle, you kind of want to know – both of them, you want to know they're going to want to be here long term, sign here long term. Um, But I do think that Stadnika is a guy – when you pair him with DeBrusque, you're not going to be able to trade Stadnika straight up for Hurdle. You can't do Stadnika and Seneshin for Hurdle. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. But you can do um Stadnika – uh DeBrusk and a first uh for those players. I think you you can do that. You can do that. So, um I don't think they're going to go that route. Uh but I don't see why they wouldn't because as I said all season long, it's not the worst idea to go all in because Brad Marchand's prime is not going to last forever. Patrice Bergeron is also not going to be here forever. So I think you know, Tuka Ras coming back as well, like McAvoy's is looking very good. Uh, you hope Pasternak starts to find his game. Feels like a lot of those, uh, secondary scores are maybe beginning to find their game at, at a good time. So again, I look at those and say, huh, all right, maybe it is worth investing in a, a long-term second line center. So coach, you may have a point. You may have a real point there. Um, but before we get into uh, the rest of this episode and the person that I really, really want, uh, we're going to talk about cannabis. Specifically, Massachusetts' premier cannabis dispensaries, and that is INSA. I-N-S-A, they're the premier, because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it, while never forgetting, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. Anybody can have this. It's for everyone. It's not like Seinfeld. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in if just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science, who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates, to offerings for insomnia and anxiety, or just an excuse to hang out with some friends. Never a bad thing, right? Insa has a world-class head chef, too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insa founders aren't some, you know, bros from Silicon Valley, uh, but they're lifelong pals from beautiful Springfield, Mass. So there's another local team to root for, and that is Insa. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just off I-91 beside the MGM Casino, Mention, we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or one pen, for one penny. Literally hand them a penny. They give you a cool ass shirt. I don't know if there's a better deal than that. I- actually, there is no better deal than that. So go do that today. Go there in person or go to Insta.com or call 877-500-INSA. Again, make sure we, make sure you tell them Brew is Beat sent you. Evan sent you. Connor sent you. Whatever you'd like. They will understand it. Uh, remember Insta.com today. Okay, so we've discussed uh, DeBrusque and Seneshin's, uh trade values. We've discussed Olmark. We've discussed uh, the second line, Pastahala and Hall. Uh, we have discussed uh, who they could get as maybe a second line center. We've discussed Uh, Nika. uh So there are some other questions uh, that all kind of pertain to this. Um, but I, there's one question I do want to hit on, and Nick Krasco DM'd me and asked if the Bruins can only make – One trade, one trade, what positional player would you like to see? Examples always welcome. I wouldn't just be like, oh, I want them to get someone. No example. Um, So the one player I would love to see them get is Jacob Chitron from Arizona. And here's why. You need a left shot defenseman. You need a legit number one left shot defenseman because you don't have that right now, right? Like I love, I think the world of Matt Grzlick, I think he's terrific but I think on a very good team, he is a number two or number three left shot defenseman, right? Like nothing wrong with that. But the Bruins have him in a number one role right now, which I think if you want to go deep in the playoffs, it's not really what's going to happen. Uh, Derek Forbert, I think they thought could maybe be a number one. Hasn't been. I don't think he really has that in him. I think he's a very solid number three, big, shut down, left shot defenseman. Mike Riley's an interesting one because it's like, I think the Bruins want a lot more from him. Duh. <laughs> and I think they signed him to money that is like, oh, you're going to be a steady number two left shot defenseman. And that's kind of up in the air. So the reason Jacob Chitron, I think, would be good is uh, there's a number of reasons. The first I'll go with his contract. Uh, he is signed through 2024-25 at a cap hit of $4.6 million. So you're getting a legit number one left shot defenseman for that money. That's pretty damn good. Uh, and I, I, I like that. I think every, I, I don't know how you have a problem with that. So Chitron, uh, that is a good one to, to, to have. Now, the question is, what's it going to take to get Jacob Chitron? What it would take is, I think, a similar offer of Debrusque, Stadnica, and a first. I think the, in, the, the really important thing is that first round pick. That's probably the most valuable of those assets, but you're maximizing the assets, right? You've diminished them enough. (laughs) The Bruins are very good at diminishing their assets, but if you package it with a an asset like a first-round pick that is pretty universally highly valued, you're going to get something. You can get something. And again, Chikrin's a guy who's going to be around a while. Like You would have him through 2024-25 at the minimum. Pair him with McAvoy. Pair him with Carlo. Like... I think you have a real that is a very valuable asset. That is a very good player you now have because uh, you know, it's funny, I mentioned Krug earlier in this episode, Krug and Char left in the same offseason. And it's almost like they didn't have a plan on the left side for when they left, right? Like the whole plan, I think, all along was oh, Zabora will develop, Vacaninen will develop, and you know, Zaboral didn't start showing signs and you know of being a steady NHL defenseman until this year, and unfortunately he is out for the season. And Vacaninen is just you know, on the third pair of Providence's defense. Like, I, I, I back in I, you're not going to see in the NHL uh, consistently. So they had no plan. So instead, it's, you know, you basically trade away, you know, not trade away, but let Chara and Krug go. And Riley and Forbert have taken their place. So there's no plan on that left side. You need something, you need something steady on that left side, who can, you know, who is really solid in both ends. And that's Jacob Chitrin. So if, if you, you ask if I could go for any player, it would be him, and I think he's on the block. Like uh, Arizona is just kind of selling things off at this point. I mean, they might even be selling themselves. <laughs> they might be going to Houston. Um, but I think that is the guy who you should one hundred percent. If if you have a chance, you give up a lot for him. That is very. That's an asset who is, is very worth it. Uh, to me, and I, I think again, like. <laughs> Those guys don't come around often. It's very hard to go out and get a steady defenseman or not even just a steady defenseman, but like a top four, top two defenseman. You've got him in that. Like you have a star with Chikrin. So if I, that's realistic, like any additional player, oh, McDavid, <laughs> but that's not realistic, right? We got to be realistic with these things. So that would be um, my realistic uh, one that I would kind of go after for anything. Um, and that kind of goes in hand in hand with what would you, someone asked, uh, I believe it was someone named Jacob. I'm going through the questions. Yep. Who would you like to see the Bruins get for DeBrusque? It's someone like that. It's a hurdle or a JT Miller, or as I said, Chikrin, right? Like packaging DeBrusque. That is how you, and I mentioned this earlier. I was, I was teasing it a little. I was, I was getting, I was keeping you listening. If you guys couldn't listen to me for 30 something minutes, um, but I do think that if you package DeBrusque, you can maximize his value, and that's how you do it, right? DeBrusque, Stadnika, first-round pick. If you can put those three together, you get, you're going to get something. So um that is who I would like to see the Bruins get for DeBrusque. I don't want to see another struggling fringe winger, right? Like, I don't. And again, if you can get DeBrusque, if you can trade DeBrusque for um a steady, reliable defenseman, which I don't know how you do that. And I don't have a name off the top of my head that you could do that for great, but I don't know how you're getting that. So I, that it feels like if it's a one for one, it's going to be a struggling swap, but if you can package him, then I think you, you, you've got something. You've got something. Uh, rebel Mania asked, when is Frederick going to get traded or sent down to Providence? Time for Sednika to play over Frederick. Yeah, I I don't uh I don't love Frederick. I don't. Uh I, I've not seen any real progress in his game this year. I know he scored on uh on Sunday against the Red Wings, but I don't it's like I just put a ton of stock in goals. Takes that dumb cross checking penalty. Feels like a lot of his physical stuff is forced. He goes into every scrum laughing and stuff. Like I just don't you know, his game itself, there are times I just don't notice him. So to me, I don't look at Frederick as someone who is worthy of being in the lineup every day right now. I don't, um, if he needs some physical bite, I guess, but that hasn't even really been provided. Like, I don't know. That doesn't really feel like that necessary at the moment. Um, I don't know. I just, I haven't loved Frederick's game. I know a lot of people haven't. Um, and again, it's that I just don't see the the progress I'd said before the season. Like I would love to see him do a little more, more offensively, right? Like, you know, uh, more shots on net. uh, more cycling in the O zone, more getting to those high danger areas. Just putting an emphasis on, you know, doing something in the offensive zone. And it doesn't feel like it's there. I know he's I know he just scored, but like look past that. There's not a lot there that you go, oh he's worthy of being in the lineup for. Now I get why he's in the lineup. Former first round pick. Like they need him in that they need him to they need him to work. And just all signs are pointing to you that he's not working. So um I don't know if he's gonna get traded, because I don't know what you you'd get for him. Um, and I think you want to up his value a little bit before you think of something like that, but, um, Stadnika playing over Frederick, sure. I think it's more Steen or Bleed for for that role. Stadnika is not a fourth liner, like not a career fourth liner, but someone like Bleed, I think has earned the right to play over Frederick, um, in that regard. So, uh, that is today's episode. I think, I think we got every single question and if we didn't, uh, if I didn't, I apologize, but I believe I got every single question. Uh, there's no way I missed any, which is wild. Um, it's hard to keep track of all the questions because they, oh, some of them overlap. So, uh, that is today's episode uh, of Bruins Beat. I like doing these. Let me know if you like these where I do more questions, um, and kind of get your, take your temperature on things, get you, get you to get some input on this show. I enjoy that. That has been today's episode of Bruins Beat. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Brewin's Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>